Today's video is going to be different. You can tell right from the beginning that it's going to be different because I'm wearing a sweatshirt, which is something I don't usually do. Uh, the informal and more personal nature of today's video will become evident in other ways as we go on. I may sit down and stand up, change the camera angle sometimes, that kind of thing. Rest assured, I plan to, Lord willing, return to um, our regular programming next time. We talk about the, the Gospels, evidence for the Gospels, because that's very important. And part of my point in today's video is that that is important. So I'm going to start with some personal information. Those of you who uh, follow Lydia McGrew page on Facebook, as well as the Lydia McGrew author page, already know this as well as friends with whom I've communicated uh, privately. This summer, actually beginning in the spring, about almost six months ago now, my health took a very abrupt nosedive from being very healthy to being very sick. Um, in this video, I'm not going to talk about the event that seems to have triggered that. I will link in the show notes to the Facebook post I did set to public that says what that event was, but um, I'm going to set that aside for this video because that's not the point of this video. Suffice it to say that on April 13th, I was an extremely healthy 55-year-old woman. I walked uh, about four miles a day. I like to go hiking in the woods. Um, I was enjoying the spring, looking forward to that development of spring that's always so beautiful. And uh, over the next, beginning just a few days thereafter, and then over the next month, my whole life changed. And a, a sword came down and cut off the life that I had lived before from the life that I have been living since. Um, I'm in often significant pain now uh, since, since May. Um, many parts of the body, uh, especially the lower back and the tailbone, and then weakness in, and heaviness in my legs. Uh, my right leg is especially painful. Uh, my, my face often feels odd. It's not exactly painful, but like it's not quite right. Uh, tingling in my feet and my hands. And then just in this, literally in this past two weeks, my hands are starting to get worse, at least on some days and, you know, interfering with, with typing and so forth. So uh, in that sense, peripheral neuropathy, but the, uh, the, the pain at the, the core, the body core, places like especially the the tailbone is the worst and uh, impacts my life the most. I now try to walk in the neighborhood a little bit every day because I don't want to co become completely housebound, but I'm walking a lot slower than before. Uh, at certain times of day, uh, my husband, Tim, who has just been a rock and a hero through all of this, I want to say, you know, he will want to walk with me just to make sure I'm okay. Um, and sitting is incredibly challenging, but at the same time, standing for a long time is hard uh, because I'm not strong. So I spend a lot of time reclining, actually. Um, and you may see me sort of sit up 
you know, sit down, stand up in this video some. Um, obviously, you can't travel in a car while reclining, like on a couch. You can't uh, sit on a plane. Seats are going to recline only, you know, so far. Um, you can't sit out somewhere at a coffee shop and have coffee while reclining. So um, many, many ordinary events of life are, are very different. And uh, it, my pain levels vary a lot with the time of day. The doctors are baffled. I'm not going to go into uh, a lot of what we've tried. It, it appears that I have some kind of unnamed, unclassified autoimmune disorder that is attacking my nerves, specifically my nerve roots and causing ongoing inflammation. And I had believed this for months, and I just recently spoke to a neurologist who confirmed that he believes that as well. But unfortunately, he didn't have a lot to prescribe for that besides symptomatic relief. All of the doctors are urging me to take more pain meds because my pain levels have been uncontrolled and I'm kind of trying to, you know, keep my pain medication dosage low, but I don't want to I don't want to be having my my mind cracking because of the level of pain, so I am raising that. But that's just symptomatic. Uh Part of the problem is that I am overly sensitive to prednisone steroid, which is a very common way of treating something like this, and it has therefore not been successful, and uh, we can't really use that, so that limits us. I will be seeking additional neurological opinions, but so far, no effective treatment has been found, and as I mentioned concerning my hands, it, it does seem to be getting worse even here six months later. Uh, so that's the sort of short version of, of what's going on. And there are often periods of very significant pain, um, especially in the evenings and at night. It's very time of day dependent. So now we're going to get to the Christian part of the, of the video. And uh, I'm going to change positions a little bit there temporarily and tilt the camera down here. Okay. As I get into the Christian part of this video, I want to say very explicitly, um, I am not saying here, be like me. I am not saying uh, I am an example of patience because I am not. I have ranted. I have been difficult to live with more so than usual. I have uh, been bitter with God. I have said to God, why, you know, why are you not healing me? Why are you not making me better? I want to serve you. You know, my, my service for God is made more difficult. Uh, especially, you know, if typing gets difficult, I sort of think through my fingers, you know, when I type. Uh, and traveling to the ETS, which I still plan to do to present on the historicity of John, I'm not looking forward to the plane ride, especially that's going to be tough, but just all these ways that I want to serve the Lord. And uh, so I've said to the Lord, hey, you know, what's what's with this? You know, why? I'm praying for healing. Lots of people are praying for my healing and it's thus not far, far not happening. So I have not been some, um, you know, exemplar of Christian patience and virtue. And so everything I'm about to say to you is is not presenting myself as such, and I want to make that clear. Um, 
Okay, change that back. I need to stand up again. So I'm going to be linking uh, in the show notes, hopefully I'll remember, to a video by Johnny Erickson Tata that has meant a lot to me. And, and she talks about how when she is uh, sad and suffering, and especially pain, she suffers a lot of pain, that uh, she felt the Lord's presence. You know, she felt Jesus' presence with her, that even though the pain didn't go away, Jesus was present there with her in the pain. And that video means a lot to me because it shows how Johnny's pain is being used by God. And so I can kind of hope that God will use this for himself and for his glory. But not, you know, because I experience the same thing Johnny experiences, because I don't. That's it's not how God has chosen to deal with me. Um, I don't have that overwhelming sense of, you know, divine presence, even when I pray in the middle of, of this. And that's been hard because, you know, we think of us ourselves as having a personal relationship with Jesus. And uh, I've, I've tried, you know, very imperfectly, but to uh, present even small decisions to him, you know, like if I need to change an appointment or try to decide whether to do something a certain way, I'll say, Lord, you know, help me to do this if I should and not if I shouldn't, that kind of thing. For years, I've, I've tried that. And now, you know, what the mind says to itself is, you know, if, if he's not helping you with this big thing that you're incessantly asking him for, why are you bothering to pray to him about whether to change the time of your physical therapy appointment or something? You know, like, why bother? Why, why bother praying to him about these little things? And, and so I think the devil wants to use that to sort of interrupt that practice of the presence of God. Um, and that's, you know, it's hard. Jesus says, if your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, your heavenly father knows how to give good gifts to you. Um, but what I've discovered is that sometimes when you ask your heavenly father for bread in the way of your, your needs, your daily needs, your physical needs, he doesn't give you a stone but what he gives you is silence. He gives you silence. And the challenge and what what's being asked at that point, what's being asked of you is to hear his voice in the silence. I don't know how else to explain that. But that's what you're being the silence of God you were to hear the voice of God and you were to trust him in that that is one of the hardest lessons it really is and yet at the same time that doesn't mean that we don't have anything to, to cling to even emotionally you know I've been faced here then with what philosophers call the existential problem of evil, you know, up close and personal. Why does God let these bad things happen? And one metaphor that has come to me is of the woman who said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And it's, it's not necessarily that I think I'm going to be healed physically. Maybe I won't be. Maybe I'll get worse. 
you know, maybe it'll, or maybe it'll just be this way for the rest of my life, uh, which is a possibility that's very hard to sort of wrap your mind around. Uh, but spiritually, that I just need to keep on clinging to the hem of his garment to, to hang on, to hang on to the spiritual benefits that he offers and my faith, my, my relationship with him. But there's something else. You know, you've all seen the videos uh, and the memes especially and so forth where it'll say, oh, why doesn't God speak to me? And then it'll show a picture of the Bible, you know. person points to the Bible, you know, like this. Why doesn't God speak to me? Okay. And, and I, that's taken on a new meaning to me as well in this time. And by the way, as I continue, please understand, I sometimes substitute words. And uh, that's worse now. We all do that sometimes, but it's worse now. Um, so hopefully I won't trip over this. But there are, there are said to be two books, the book of God's world and the book of God's word. So the book of God's world is, is general revelation that's out there. And, and that's something that's really been been given to me, uh, just a new appreciation of God's creation. So uh, I love roses and I'll go out, you know, when I go for a walk in the neighborhood, there's some places where they grow. They're still growing at this time in October in, in Michigan. They're not all dead yet. And, and just that, that little red blossom and the little red bud and so forth, you know, it's just, it just cries out the glory of God, the sky the color of the sky, the leaves against the sky, and we're starting to get those autumn leaves here now a bit too, here in Michigan. And that is sustaining, you know, when you're just, when the pain recedes enough, you're just maybe in discomfort, or maybe for a while you're you're freed of it, and you can just focus, you know, and lose yourself and focus on beauty uh, of, of the creation. It's very, very nourishing, and I'll say to myself, it's good. It's a good thing. And I'll think of the verse that says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Um, and so I'm a child of God, and the, the, the beauty of the creation is helpful there. But also the book of his word. I mean, none of this is new, right? The Bible talks about this kind of thing all over the place. First Peter, he says, Beloved, don't think it a strange thing, that fiery trial that's to come upon you. Of course, he's talking about persecution. But he says, as if something strange had happened to you. You know, it's, it's to be expected. But rather rejoice that uh, you can share in the sufferings of Christ. Um, I get to sit down again for a couple minutes here. And Jesus says, where I am, there will also my servant be. You think about that. Uh, you know, when Jesus said that, where was he? You know? Jesus said that he was on his way to the cross. Jesus didn't say that 
immediately apropos of heaven. Now, no doubt, the idea of heaven is there. Where I am, there will also my servant be. But uh, in the immediate context, he's talking about if you save your life, you will lose your life. And he says right after that, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? Where I am, there will also my servant be. So where is that? It's on the cross. The Apostle Paul, of course, talks about how he asked three times for his thorn in the flesh to be removed, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And um, there's also the passage where he says, the sufferings of this present life are not willing, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. So we've got that to look forward to and to hold on to, that the sufferings are going to be a small thing in the end, even though we have trouble seeing that now. And this is all in the Bible. You know, it's all in there. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So that's to be expected. It's to be expected. It's, it's, not, it's not some strange thing, even though in my life it seems like a strange thing. And I believe every Christian is going to have a cross. I, it's just different for each one. So there's that. Even though I don't hear a voice or feel in the darkness, in those dark times, an overwhelming sense of Jesus' presence. Nonetheless, there's the truth, and, and God has given me, I, I just want to praise him in, in this grace, that even despite those existential feelings at times, you know, mentally and intellectually, I, I have been able to hang on, hang on to him by the the edge of his garment. Now, nothing I have said, gotta stand up again, nothing I have said thus far in this video is independent evidence for Christianity. I want to emphasize that. I'm going to repeat that. Nothing I've said here is independent evidence of Christianity. Any skeptic or any Christian who's, you know, a doubting who looks back at everything I've said up till then, he's going to say, yeah, you know, you need your religion. In the hard times, it's, it's helping you. It's helping you psychologically. Big deal. You know, we already knew that. And that's absolutely true. I think I've said to you thus far, and none of these sort of senses of, you know, depending on God's word or even that sense of, of the beauty and, and of God as the creator, uh, except, you know, that refers to sort of the argument from design, I suppose you could say. But in general, none of this is independent evidence of the truth of Christianity. But I have independent evidence of the truth of Christianity. And that's the point I want to get to here. Everything else I'm doing in this channel, the books I've written thus far, the book I'm hoping by the grace of God to finish, that I hope to be a popular level book if, if God gives me strength to finish it uh, on the evidence for Christianity, all of that, that's giving you the independent evidence for the truth of Christianity. And it is absolutely necessary. It is a good thing, thank God, I have that. 
that independent evidence. So I don't just say to myself, well, yeah, you know, now you need your religion. But I can say, no, you know, now I have reason to believe my religion. The evidence of, of the testimony of the apostles and the specifics of that testimony is given to us in reliable gospel accounts, the evidence of the book of Acts, and which then points to the apostleship of the apostle Paul, and the, then his letters are accessible to us as being given by God to an apostle. Um, the words of Jesus that he gave us to, to tell us, you know, in my father's house are many mansions and all of that. But we have evidence to believe that Jesus really did say that and that Jesus really is God, that independent evidence. You gotta have that because when the garbage comes rolling downhill, you know, if you don't have something to hang on to, life's going to be meaningless. Now, that's not a reason to believe Christianity. You know, oh yeah, it, life's going to be meaningless if I don't have this. But it's a reason to be glad that we have evidence for Christianity. And it's certainly a reason to investigate Christianity. And so I'm, I'm thankful for all the other stuff that God has granted me to know through um, my husband's work and so many other people's work. And, and that he's given me the opportunity to see and to know so that I have it now when I need it. And I just want to, I want to urge you, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord while it is called today. As the book of Hebrews says, you know, if, if you don't know Jesus is your personal savior, get on it, man. Investigate because the evidence is there. And God has not left himself without witness. And he's sent his son down to walk on this earth and to leave behind his witnesses to tell us the truth. You need that. And if you're a Christian and you don't know why you're a Christian, this is the time to investigate that now. You've been given that opportunity. So I hope you'll do that. And thanks for watching. And I'll see you next time on the Lydia McGrew YouTube channel.